one might as well foamy. How'd that happen? Welcome to Movie Boners. It's better when it gets foamy. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. No. <laughs> so that's how we're starting this. This is, yeah. Welcome to our podcast where we are gross and disgusting Ooh, people. really good. You like your beer? Yeah. What beer do you have, Christy? Um, it's the Pineapple Mango Blonde. Um, by Dry Rock Brewing. Dry Dock Brewing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it looked like rock. But yeah, I, th- I thought for a, like, a second. That's so good. I didn't even think about it when I was picking it out. I was like, I we hit. We... I feel like you would like this. Do you see what's on the label? The very first thing listed oh. is pineapple. So I got cool. this beer specifically <laughs> to piss off you. Because I was like. <laughs> Oh, this is a pineapple mango blonde. Dustin would hate this. See, bunch of assholes. It's extremely fruity, though. It tastes like juice in it. Yeah. It's really um, good. I'm good. I'm drinking 1554 by New Belgium, okay. which is actually one of my favorite beers. Oh, that's classy, lucky. Dustin, classy. I don't know if I'd say classy, but at least it's real beer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I thought this would be the first time that we had a non-Colorado beer company because I didn't really think about it. I just picked Ooh. it up because it looked good. But, of course, they're from Colorado. They're from Aurora. <laughs> yeah. We just have an embarrassment of riches of good beer companies in Colorado. Yes, we do. Hashtag blessed. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag beer is good. Uh, I guess we should do snacks while we're here. Yes. Oh, okay. So I've totally forgot to get you a snack, so I gave, I brought you this orange from our kitchen that you can have. <laughs> <laughs> I actually made it a point to go pick up a snack. Oh, Brag about it. <clears throat> so I. Yes. Ooh, dark chocolate coconut with almonds. Ooh. Yeah. Those are good. I, I'll take your for it. Yeah. Ooh, and this is all going to taste really good together. So. Yeah. That's good. That's what you want. Dustin wins. Of course. You get someone who barely participated versus someone who tried real hard. I like how he doesn't even sound sorry about it. He's like... No. Yeah. I mean, I, I generally do a good job. I just forgot. That's fair. He That's okay. Get the beer. He was too busy worrying about what kind of beer to get that I would hate. Yeah. You know. I've also been setting up our new podcast That's space. That's right. We do have a new space. So we dedicated a room. We have a new microphone stand, so hopefully it sounds better. Yep. And just kind of moved out of Christy's office so I won't spill beer on her carpet. And then, no, spit beer on my carpet. Sp- yes. Oh, yeah, because I broke you. Yeah, with, the, with your, my Seth Rogen, your Seth Rogen comment. Honestly, I'm still taking it as a sexual innuendo. Because <laughs> <laughs> that whole episode was like an innuendo. So. Yeah, well, it's a disaster. Was, well, speaking of that, and then we'll get back to the space. Funny thing about that episode. Yeah. So I have received a couple text messages and I've had people at my work no. <laughs> and I've had people at my work who have been listening to it who have all come up to me and just repeated my glorious <laughs> blooper of gory porn. <laughs> oh, it's never that's going to be funny. That's going to be amazing. It's going to just be like your oh thing. Oh my god, that should be on our swag someday. Why? Yeah. Why? We don't need to. Like, oh my god. Hold on while I Google, how do you get merch? <laughs> oh, oh, I'm blocked for searching for gory porn. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so. 
that might not be something you want in your search history. Yeah, yeah. that's true. That's very true. I'm going to get weird recommendations from Google and Facebook right, your, and Amazon. Your Facebook feed's going to have interesting ads on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be on a whole different kind of list. But I had to, I had to tell you guys that. I was just like, because it was shortly after... Mm-hmm. It may have been you who, like, called it the gory porn episode. Yeah. Which one of you? It was you? I think so, yeah. yeah. And my response was, we are not calling it that. And then I had people actually, like, yeah. texting me about it. It's going so, down in history as the gory porn I, episode. God okay, well, it. it's funny because when it happened, I made Jake, like, make a snippet of just that one part. Oh, yeah. Because it was so funny. And <laughs> I have a coworker. Hi, Co-worker. <laughs> she to oh, yeah. Hi, co-worker. Yeah. Hi, co-worker. Um, anyways, I showed up on Monday and I was like, okay, dude, you have to listen to this. <laughs> so I played it for her. And then when the episode released, she came into my office. She's like, so I started the episode and I thought for sure it was a new episode. And I couldn't figure out why I heard, I heard this it. before. And she's like, and then I remembered just that one part. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. The little snippet folders that we have. Oh. Christy has one blooper folder. I have two. Didn't we put it in the last one? The, or two times. Yeah, we put the you're the one where you broke the frickin' where you failed to open the can. We put that in the last episode. Yeah, that was like our first thing. Yeah. God. Anyways. So back to our space because we don't need to talk about gory porn anyway. <laughs> you wish. <laughs> No, it's pretty sick, you guys. It is really cool. Yeah, and so we've decided to get a bunch of, like, posters, and I've started putting up different pop finals we have. We have one of The Rock and John Wick and J.J. Oh, Abrams so far, so that's yep. good. Well, I can bring a little bookshelf so we don't have to be so high. Yeah, I didn't yeah. have a... There's no shelves. It's just way up on a ledge. We're going to put up... We've got an Anchorman poster, because that was one of our uh, comedy picks episodes, in the comedy yeah. episode. We've got Christian Bale's Batman that'll be going up. Yeah. And... Yeah. See, now you're going to feel like real shit for, like, buying a beer that you know I would hate. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Because I'm going to like this next poster? You're going to love this poster. There's a mystery poster, Dustin Bratt. Yeah. And I'm supposed to open it. I'm excited. So, backstory on this okay. is... I used to work at a video rental place. Okay. Those were a thing for our younger <laughs> listeners. Videos were things that you would get and watch at home in a right. player machine that you had. <laughs> And uh, one of the perks was we would get promo posters, which were usually like the the covers. (laughs) No, but that would be amazing. It would be amazing. Why did I say it? So I used to have a whole ton of these posters, but something happened where most of them got destroyed. And I can't believe this one Mm -hmm. was one that survived. So Jake, there's your new poster. Let's see what it is. I hate this. Oh my God. Oh my God. Starring Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams, The Notebook. Of all the posters that like were ruined over the years, and the one that survived, look, Christy, is a giant fucking The Notebook That's poster. Amazing. That's going up front and center. He's so happy. It's going right above you. Yeah. I just when I saw that of all the posters that survived, no, it should not go above. It's incredible you kept it. I don't want it anywhere, but I would feel like a dick <laughs> if I didn't give it to him. That's fair, but do you want to have to stare at it? That is very selfless. <sighs> it's very amazing. It's very selfless of you to bring that in. I just And I, I do just, feel like a dick for getting beer <laughs> you won't see? like. Yeah. But I got fifteen fifty four, which you said was one of your favorites. That's true. So okay. it balances out. Oh, he's like love hate, sour patch kid. <laughs> <laughs> I just I was like 
going through the posters, throwing all the bad ones. And then I unrolled that one. I was like, what's this one? <laughs> Immediately saw Ryan Gosling. who was just like, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's amazing. That's fate right there. Yeah, that's like Honestly, destiny. That's destiny. <laughs> I don't know if you believe in that, but... It... <laughs> this is why karma and i have such a hate relationship like hate-filled relationship it's oh, true man. you did say that <laughs> well this is proof so there's, there's something for you to i love it with. this is already the Dustin best also brought me an activity to do for today that's, that's true. right well it's not just for you it's for the three of us but you do get to enjoy it you're gonna probably be distracted by it the entire episode after i eat my right. orange yep what it is so we found a keanu reeves coloring book <laughs> it's called crush and color so i'm assuming there's more than just keanu reeves in them but nope it's called keanu it's reeves. straight keanu reeves so we have a keanu reeves coloring book dog and everything. yeah yeah there's a little beagle on the front which i appreciate which i'm confused about but it's daisy from john wick daisy said Beagle? Yeah, remember? I thought she was a pit bull. No, you're Ooh. thinking of the second dog he gets. Which he only names dog. Oh, yeah, he doesn't give a name. Is yeah. Daisy the one that dies? Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. It's the, one it, it's the one his wife... It's not just a puppy. I thought it was like a black He doesn't dog. name it. It has a name, Daisy, yeah. already. Yeah. Sorry, but a beagle seems like a really odd gift for like... Well, she's impossibly cute, which is the whole point. Yeah. 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 It's like a, a tiny little bouncy ball, bundle of love. Yeah. Whoever could kill a dog is just not right in the Exactly. Whatever. That's right. That's the premise of John Wick 1. <laughs> okay, so that kind of leads into Life of Crime. That's oh right. God. This week's episode. Yeah. So yeah, so last week we did thrillers, and we specifically mentioned that we pulled out all the crime thrillers. Yep. And we figured since we already had our list, might as well do a crime episode. And so this is crime movies. There'll be thrillers, there'll be mysteries, there'll be all kinds of crime-related shenanigans. Yeah. This was a fun one to work on. Yeah, yeah. Dustin, Dustin texted me one day ago, two days ago. He's like, "Oh my god, I just realized something," and I was like, "Oh no, what did you realize about our next episode that I forgot to do?" Heist movies count as crime. Yeah, this is like heist movies or crime movies. I was like, "Oh, that's fine. I already knew that." And my thought was, "You dick." Yeah, I was like, "Have fun reworking your whole list." And my thought was, "You." <laughs> Which is valid. That's it is extremely good. valid, yeah. That's yeah. kind of why you have a podcast, isn't it? That's right. Cool. All right, who's starting us off this week? I think uh, it's you this time. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I do start. So, my number 10 crime movie. As we've been going through, we've, we're several episodes in at this point, and we mentioned just off air last time that. There are a handful of directors that we haven't mentioned on the podcast. That's true. Which is pretty incredible. We've talked a lot about Nolan and Denis Villeneuve, which are... (laughs) Every episode. They're worth talking about for sure, but there are also three or four or five different ones that we haven't talked about, which is incredible. This one's at the top of the list, and and I know you know who we're going to talk about. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So my number 10 movie is Reservoir Dogs. And... We could do a whole episode on Quentin Tarantino. We've talked about doing that. Which I think we still should. Yeah, we definitely still should. <laughs> but I just I still had to have Reservoir Dogs on my list because I think it's it's a great crime movie and it's also a huge testament to him as a as a writer and director that his very first movie holds up so well. Yeah. Because it has 
there's a lot of different elements about it. Even if you're rewatching it for the first time or watching it for the first time today, there's enough things about it that are different and new and not your ordinary crime movie. He kind of subverts a lot of things with that movie that still hold up. Yeah. Um, and there's just a lot of scene seeds that he pl- that he kind of places in that movie that are precursors to what lit his whole library will well, actually it, it become. Really, yeah, I mean, it, it set off like a whole thing of the Tarantino universe. Yeah, essentially. Yeah, there's a, yeah, there's a bunch of different like fan <laughs> theories about how they're all connected yeah. and everything too. Um, but yeah, there's there's just the way that he makes movies is so interesting and in that that movie has all those, some of them are less pronounced than other later movies that he mm-hmm. does, but he still has all the little elements of a Tarantino movie where you have visceral violence and you have excessive language. <laughs> yeah. Language. But you also have really, you also have really smart timing between dialogue and action yeah. or motion of actors. And you have, um, my favorite thing about Tarantino is like the intriguing dialogue between different characters about things that are seemingly about nothing, but you still are learning who these people are by watching them. Well, talk I mean, the opening other. scene. Yeah, exactly. Is an entire conversation that lasts for like six minutes or something like that. It, it's a yeah. long opening scene, pre-credit scene, yeah, of Mister Pink refusing to tip and his reasons why. Yeah, and, and he, talking about. Madonna's Like a Virgin song. Yeah, uh, Like a Virgin. Yeah. Um, that's the name of the song. I know. Will you sing it for me? Oh, my God. Murder you. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. But that opening scene, because, like, the whole table getting the big argument over tipping, and it really kind of does give you a sense of who these characters are. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, his dialogue is... Yeah. Yeah, that's what I, I I love. Those kinds of things where there's characters sitting at a table in his movies, and they're just the longest scenes ever. But you don't even mind because it's you're so engrossed in what they're in who they are and the tension they're building and the things they're talking about, which are boring things. But <laughs> I don't know what how <laughs> but he you're does intrigued. It. Yeah, he does a good job of it. And then of course this movie has his trademark use of music. Yep. It kind of kicks all that off. So Reservoir Dogs is just an amazing movie. That uh. <clears throat> it wasn't the first Tarantino movie. Actually, I think I saw... Because Pulp Fiction was the first one of his I ever watched. Yeah. And then I saw Jackie Brown. And I think I, it was after that that I watched Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. True Lo- or uh, True Romance was in there at some point. It's such a romantic film. <laughs> and... <laughs> oh, hold on. Christy rolled her eyes. Hold on. We need to talk about the... the... How we have gotten... I have personally received, like... Affirmation. Affirmation that True Lies is a romance That's film. great. I personally received uh, affirmation that... God damn it, why can't I think of it? Um, True Lies is not. <laughs> why? <laughs> well, it, it seems like the jury's still out. And well, also... Send in your votes. In fact, yeah. the, the affirmation I got was, nice try, Jake. <laughs> Well, I feel like it's my list, and so it's a romance <laughs> if I say it is. That's like your opinion, man. <laughs> exactly. Yes, I, can't, I can't get you there, so that's okay. <laughs> All right, Dustin. Continue. But I, I do remember when I finally was like, I need to watch like his first writing and directing yeah. film. And yeah, that movie immediately 
mm-hmm. just kind of grabs you. I mean, the opening dialogue is like, uh, his movies don't typically hit you in the feels. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, if you're easily offended by anything... <laughs> Don't even watch his interviews. <laughs> right. Yeah. Don't, just actually, anything he especially writes. Especially don't watch his interviews. Writes or says. Yeah. Really, don't even watch his facial expressions. <laughs> <laughs> but that, I mean, that movie, I won't say too much for those that haven't watched it, mm-hmm. but Tim Roth in that movie yeah. is so fucking good. Oh, totally. He's amazing. <laughs> I won't say too much, but. Yeah. It's just. The character, the way the characters actually interact with each other, and it does have the infamous Michael Madsen scene. Yeah, which the ear scene. Yeah, if you're easily affected by violence in a film or get queasy a or little just, bit, or just yeah, gross things. Yeah, that's why I can't watch his films. The Michael Madsen scene is infamous for like yeah messing with people, but that's such a good pick. Yeah, I I will just go ahead and precursor this by saying. I did not include any Tarantino on my list. Okay. Because I feel like he deserves a whole episode by himself. Yeah. But Tarantino, all of his movies have been a huge part of like my movie fandom. Because they're just, they're so unique and they're all amazing. That'll have to be a spoiler episode so we can get really deep into it. Yeah. And then we can talk more about Reservoir Dogs too. Because I feel like you and I can definitely talk Tarantino for quite a bit. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> He's amazing. All right. My number 10. So last week, I mentioned that the movie Copycat had, was really the movie that like kind of piqued my interest into serial killers. I remember that. Well, this movie was really kind of the second movie that really got me more interested into it. Okay. It's a pretty morbid movie. Um, it's called Kiss the Girls. Mm, yeah. Well, I've heard of that. I've heard of it too i can't picture who's in it i think i can picture the cover of the dvd (laughs) so it's morgan freeman and ashley judd ashley judd yes which by the way ashley judd in like mid to late 90s and even early 2000s that was really like where her career was peaking she is a badass and i can't believe she's not in more movies she's in one of my movies from the mid 90s but what? Every time I think of Ashley Judd now, mm-hmm. the only thing I can think of is that, that show she was in where she just repeatedly said, I'm, I'm a mother looking for her son. Oh. Uh, it's ruined it for me. Oh, I don't yeah. know that one. Well, her, her movies in the 90s are oh, amazing. Okay. Mm-hmm. But this movie, so she plays a woman who has escaped... Mm-hmm. Uh, serial killer. <laughs> you laughed because you thought he was going to say he plays a woman who's <laughs> looking for her son. <laughs> <laughs> I should have. <laughs> no, she like, so the premise is there's a serial killer who abducts women. He calls himself Casanova and she escapes. Okay. And Morgan Freeman plays the detective who's trying to protect her and find out who the killer is. This movie, like, when I watched it, I was fairly young. I, sh- I saw it shortly after I saw Copycat. So watching a couple fairly disturbing movies, I don't want to say who the third, like, big actor is. Is it a surprise? Not really. Oh. But I can't really pronounce his last name. Oh, I see. <laughs> it's not that you you don't want to say it, it's that you can't say it. No, I'll, I'll try it. So it's Carrie Yules, right? Oh, yeah. Is that how you... I think so. I think so. Anyways, he's also a... He's one of the other detectives that's on the case, too. 
there I mean it's got a pretty good cast. I can't remember the names of everyone, but that movie is just it's fairly morbid mm-hmm. and just the the killer is like he gets off on the power over women. Mm-hmm. Which fairly disturbing. Yeah. But the way that the case like plays out and Ashley Judd playing this victim who kind of really stops being a victim mm-hmm. is awesome. It's such a cool movie. That sounds cool. But it was the first uh, Alex Cross I saw it in movie. A long time. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I have too. Like with my family. Like yeah. Growing up. Rewatch it. I mean, it's a pretty good movie, especially in the 90s. Yeah. I swear. Every week we add like new movies. Yeah. <laughs> that's the best part of this. Yeah. But Kiss the Girls, like that's, it's one of those movies that's just, it's on my to-go list. I yeah. Mean, for some reason, the way the whole story plays out is just so cool. I love those movies where you have like a female hero and yeah. she, especially ones that start out like unassuming or unaware and then they end up turning and being badass. I love those movies. Well, and I, I seriously can't praise Ashley Judd enough in this movie because it's start. I mean, the first scene is really like her running through the woods. Okay. So she's cut up from the tree. She's barefoot and all that. I mean, she is beat up. Yeah. But the way that she portrays a woman going through that kind of experience and then coming out on the other side of just like, you know, fuck you guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So it, it's a cool uh, kind of take on the female hero, you know, yeah. strong and all that. So yeah, yeah. Number 10 is Kiss the Girls. That's a good pick. All right. Number <clears throat> 10. Yeah. Yeah, we're starting at the bottom. Yeah. What do you think? No, we, well, we had a whole started. bunch of, we've had a like, pretty long opening to this. Oh, these guys talk a lot. Wow. <laughs> number nine. Bitch. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so my number nine is, is a movie that most people seem to remember as an action movie, and I'm guilty of that as well, but it's really more of a, like a hard-boiled detective movie. Um, my number nine is Lethal Weapon. <laughs> and I've rewatching it you know you feel like it's an action movie it should it be is an, an action, action movie, movie. <laughs> but it's so much of like just long silences and like solo saxophone <laughs> it's it's written by shane black and it's like his first movie that he wrote during the 80s which is when they like were looking for spec scripts and stuff right. and he really i think i love film noir movies and i feel like he really kind of pioneered the neo-noir aspects of cinema and there's a lot of that in in Lethal Weapon, where it's very much a, there's a lot of like darkness. It's not a fun movie. Like I want, even though the opening credits happen with a Christmas song and everything, I can't bring myself to say it's a fun. But movie. even with the Christmas song playing, you watch a woman jump out of a, like yeah a building, and her body slams into a car. Yeah, so yeah, After it's doing not a fun and, opening. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I've officially started my own note section in my phone uh-huh. that I'm going to add to as we go of things that I think of so I can talk about it at the end. There you I go. I just thought of a movie and I was like, oh man, but then I can't because what if it's on your list? It's okay. not Tusk, is it? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so Throwback to episode yeah. one or Hold two. On. Okay, wait, I have to pause really quick. See, this <laughs> is why we're only on number nine. <laughs> Shortly after that episode, she's like, so 
about. Oh, God. So, this was over lunch, and I swear to God, I, like, described this movie, and the more I described it, the more, like, ridiculous I realized the movie is. So, I yes. think it would be hilarious on the podcast <laughs> to do, like, a description movie of, like, uh-huh. ridiculous movies you just describe what they're about in, like, the weirdest way. I feel like... But Especially with, a, a, a like a little corner of the episode where it's yeah. like, "Hey, Christy, describe this at this that movie." That would be great. <laughs> yeah. Like you pick out but the see, weirdest with, things. Like, with Tusk, all you have to do is just tell someone what it's about, it and all, just telling them, like, just point blank what the movie is, yeah. is ridiculous all by itself. Yeah, it is a ridiculous premise. Yeah. Anyways, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <number> one, <laughs> so lethal weapon. No, he's still oh, talking. Oh yeah, we were weapon. talking about lethal weapon. <laughs> This is going to be another two and a half hour episode. <laughs> I got time. Whatever it takes. Yeah, I love I love all four of the Lethal Weapon movies. Hell yes. And I feel like the later ones they benefit, I think they're a little bit more fun because you have Joe Pesci as kind of like a... a well, they definitely turned it to the buddy cop yeah. aspect. Yeah, exactly. And then you have Joe Pesci as kind of a third wheel and he's he's funny in those movies. But the first one is it's a serious movie. And but I still really really like it, and I really like the the detective aspects, and they're trying to solve all these problems, and and they're very different people with very different lives, and get smashed together, and their two characters are very interesting together. Yeah, that's a I've never really thought of it that way. I have I am one of those who's always thought of Lethal Weapon as like a fun action movie. Yeah. But hearing you say that and just kind of like replaying the film mm-hmm. aspects of the film in my head, yeah, that's a that first one. It's definitely a pretty dark outing. Yeah, I mean, it's really not a feel good movie. You got yeah, you got. I mean, Mel Gibson almost commits suicide in that movie so many times. Right. Yeah, that's one of the things <laughs> is he's like they're worried that he's suicidal, and then they're worried about. Murtaugh is old and he's yeah. trying to figure out how he fits in in this new world and yeah and then you have them getting tortured and his well, kids and his daughter the, getting kidnapped and oh yeah <laughs> well just the, like the basic storyline of the woman who dies at the very beginning yeah like the whole backstory of her case mm-hmm. I won't say too much because it's supposed to be as you learn yeah hashtag no spoilers <laughs> At least until we do a Tarantino episode, which will be spoiler heavy. But, <laughs> um, yeah, like really rethinking that, mm-hmm. it's kind of got me rethinking something. <laughs> like, why did I find this fun? <laughs> yeah. Great movie. Love that movie. Phenomenal. Yes, all four are very enjoyable. I, there's yeah. a lot of people that hate the fourth one, but I don't, that movie is hilarious. If you like Jet Li, you'll like the fourth one. Right. He's awesome. That's a good pick. That's a really good pick. Yeah. And yeah, that is, I mean, it is an action movie, but it's a straight crime movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's an extremely good crime movie. At first, I thought he was going to disagree with you when you were like, What? No. It's a crime movie, and you were like, It's an action movie. (laughs) I mean, it is, but. Yeah. There's action in it, for sure. It's a crime movie. All right. My number nine is one that I don't meet too many people that have ever heard of this movie, let alone seen it, but it's one that I think everybody should watch because it's just so good uh it's called fracture it's uh, with ryan gosling and uh anthony hopkins yep such a good movie cover this yeah, yeah the, well on the cover really kind of gives you what the tone of the movie is mm-hmm. um so hopkins plays this husband who shoots his wife in the head <laughs> and the rest of the movie is the case against him 
and how he kind of manipulates stuff. But this movie is like, I, I don't know how to describe it without giving away a whole lot of stuff, but it's one of the best courtroom crime detective movies. Yeah. And Goslin plays a lawyer who's like the hot shot. He wins 97% of his cases who gets stuck with this. He thinks it's a for sure thing. And then as the movie plays out, he gets kind of in over his head, but watching Hopkins and Goslin kind of play off of each other in this movie, it's some of the greatest stuff I've ever watched and no one's ever seen this movie, but they should Yeah, because it's intense and really intelligent. It's such a smart movie. Yeah. So number nine is Fracture for me. Yeah, Anthony Hopkins is one is an actor that gets praised a lot, but I don't think gets appreciated a lot, if that makes sense. Like he he does so many small things during his scenes that go unnoticed. Or they're subliminal maybe where you right. notice them but you don't they're not in the front of your mind where you notice them intelligently. But and they like they so linger good. with you. Yeah, he's so good. He's so good at just making you, every time he's on a screen, especially if he's playing a kind of a darker role, kind of more of a villainous role. Yeah, yeah. Every time he's on the screen, I mean, he has that ability of just making you uncomfortable and just trying to, like, I can't figure this guy out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't have thoughts. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. You squinted, it, you squinted, it looked like you were trying to yeah. get a thought. You squinted at me. I thought you had something to say. Yeah, so did I. Hi. Every, every now and then you guys look at me like, Charlie contributions and contributions you'll know okay okay we'll plan on you speaking up then all right number eight my number eight is the town oh i don't have any lead up at all it's just the town i love the town the town written and directed by ben affleck and peter craig and so it's it's just a great premise for a crime movie where you have this neighborhood in Boston, it's like one square mile or something. Where Charleston. It, yeah, called Charleston. I'm sure I'm pronouncing it Charleston wrong, but... <laughs> is the town, and it's where it's there's more bank robbers and car thieves that ben come Affleck, from that town. That, like, yeah, Written, it stars Ben Affleck, but he's also in it. <laughs> yeah, stars. Blake Lively's in it. She's really good. Um, everybody in it's really good. I love I love really like John Hamm in it. He's the the FBI detective yep. guy and. But you, even though John Hamm is so good, you still really root for the villains. You really root for the bank robbers in it. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just such a good, entertaining movie. I think the my favorite part about it, or the best thing that they did or chose to do, was to give all the bank robbers such incredible costumes and masks, like those. The nun outfits. outfits. The nun outfits are just iconic beyond belief. Like everything about. <laughs> The, and even the like ghoul masks they just yeah. go through a series of masks and it's so good i'm not going to say too much because the town is on my list as well hell yeah <laughs> oh, cute, <laughs> so i will reframe the rest of my comments mm-hmm. but obviously knowing that we have another uh mm-hmm. overlap yeah i lost the word there for a second thank right. you for saving me <laughs> all right so i'm just gonna go ahead and jump to mine and we'll save the rest of the comments for when the town shows up on my list because it's a little farther up. But uh, my number eight is written and directed by a duo that I feel are masters at filmmaking. So my number eight is No Country for Old Men by the Coen Brothers. Mm -hmm. 
these guys just, they know how to do comedy. And it was really difficult to try and actually narrow down which one of their movies. But this one just sticks out because it's so raw. I mean, there's no music, period, in the entire movie. So it feels very real. Nothing's pretty in it. It's it's not a spoiler, but there's no ending. There's no ending to this movie. Mm-hmm. But Javier Bardem as the killer and Tommy Lee Jones as the uh, the Texas Ranger like hunting him down and stuff. And Josh Brolin as the idiot that just accidentally gets mixed up and stuff. And everything about this movie is as close to perfection as you can get. Yeah. And it was funny because when I was rewatching it, the whole time I kept thinking of one of my favorite little movie tidbits. And this is a callback to your pick of There Will Be Blood. Uh, both of these movies, There Will Be Blood and No Country, were filming at the same time in the same place. Like, they were just a couple miles away or something. Well, There Will Be Blood during one of the uh, fiery scenes stopped production on No Country for Old Men because there was so much smoke that was billowing into their set. So every time I watch this, I think of that yeah. and then have to go and rewatch There Will Be Blood. <laughs> It's, for some weird reason, I can never watch one without the other. Yeah. Which, if you've seen it, you know that makes for a very dry, yeah, slow, like, five hours. Yeah, long, <laughs> it's a long, slow movie. It sounds like a journey. It's, no Country is so fucking good. And it's got one of the most unique ways for a killer to kill his victims. Yeah. And... The whole, like, the scene that really just constantly puts me on edge is Bardem's interaction with the the gas station clerk. Yeah. Where he flips the coin and tells him, call it, what do I have to lose or whatever? And he tells him everything. Yeah. Just, it's so good. I, yeah, no country That's for old great. men. It's, it's an overlap on my list. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I definitely rewatched it as well. Um. Wow, two overlaps on one list. I don't think we've done that since action. Yeah, it's been a while since we've had one overlap in the last couple episodes. The bromance is strong in this episode. Yeah. Make an action joke, but I won't. Carry on. Number seven, Jake. Seven is my favorite Spike Lee joint. Ooh. It is Inside Man. <laughs> yes. Not that kind of joint, Christian. <laughs> Did you tell me to get my shit together? Head out of the gutter. Oh. That's what I said. Inside Man, starring Denzel Washington, Jodie Foster, Clive Owen, Willem Dafoe, is it's. So I realized during, and it's funny that you texted me. The other day, saying that you realize all of a sudden that high smooth <laughs> right where crime because <laughs> I like was going through my list and I didn't even really think about it at the time. I was just putting movies together that I loved and based on how good they are. And I have like a run of heist movies in the middle of my list. So the time is a heist movie, obviously, and now I have Inside Man, which is another heist movie. But I feel like it's a very different kind of heist movie from the other ones where. It's more encapsulated for one thing. It mostly yeah mostly takes place inside the bank or outside the bank during the heist. Well, and this is another one that you can't really like say too much. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an interesting <laughs> movie because it's 
it's a different kind of heist movie. The yeah. robbers are motivated by different sorts of things, and so you don't really know what's going on or why they're there or or what what's happening. And so it's it's an interesting and intriguing movie to watch, and it's well written in a way that. I think it elevates the intelligence of the bank robbers, where you f- you right. really understand and feel like they're they're motivated by things that are interesting, and so it's a really interesting movie to watch. And it's so it's different for that reason as well. I think where it's it's just it's not your ordinary. I just want to get some quick cash kind of a bank robber movie. It's like it's it's an interesting story beyond that. Oh yeah. No, I remember the first time I saw it because it was marketed as just like a a bank robbery movie. Yeah. And then when you watch it and you, as the story really started opening up and developing, the more you start kind of understanding there's a lot more to it than just, oh, they're robbing a bank. Like it, it gets yeah. pretty, honestly, as far as bank robbery movies go, mm-hmm. it's got a pretty deep storyline. There's some mm-hmm. very deep motives like a motivation to it, but Jodie Foster stands out yeah. so much to me in that movie because mm-hmm. she's such a bitch. <laughs> she's, and she's so good at being so like... She plays it so well. Yeah, she's so cold. and She only has like three, four scenes. Right. But yeah, she stands out. But she's she incredible. Just, she takes over the scene and did like steal yeah, her, the show from Christopher Plummer and from Denzel Washington when yeah. they're already on screen. I mean, it speaks volumes to her but yeah she for every time i think of that movie i think of like one scene of her in the back of the suv and just immediately like yep yep that's a great movie it's one of my honorable mentions it was one that i juggled on the list a few times yeah but oh that's such a good movie yeah it's It's really it's really good and i feel like like you were saying you can't say too much about it the ending the way it all comes together it's it's well formulated where it all blends well and so it's it's definitely worth watching yeah it definitely makes you feel like you're you are learning as Mm -hmm. everything as the detectives are learning which is really cool to be able to have that kind of feeling during a movie yeah absolutely all right my number seven is legitimately tons of fun to watch (laughs) legitimately it's one of the most unique robbery crime movies i've ever seen And the soundtrack makes me so happy. My number seven is Baby Driver. Okay. Oh, yeah. (laughs) This movie (laughs) is so goddamn cool. (laughs) Like, Yeah. It's so interesting. And first time I watched this movie, when it ended, I didn't watch any other movie for almost a full day. Mm -hmm. Because it was just, I couldn't think of a movie that was that unique that much fun Mm -hmm. and although it's got kevin spacey (laughs) 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 Uh, we don't like kevin spacey these days no not anymore nope he's a bad man house of cards or what he's a bad bad person oh oh shit (laughs) research okay go ahead and google so it was kind of weird for me i did juggle like should i have mm-hmm. anything with him on any of my lists mm-hmm. but i feel like you have to be able to or at least i have to because he he happens to be in a lot of movies i really enjoy yeah 
So I, I can discern the like, or like break that connection and just stick with the fiction. Yeah, I, I also try to separate the person from the artist. And yeah, yeah. Say for me, the Usual Suspects was on was on my list in and out for a while, and I love that movie. But it's so good. It's just it's so weird having. There's a, more attached to it now it, in a weird yeah. way. Yeah. But I just I can't deny I'm a huge Edgar Wright fan. Yeah. And this movie. Honestly, I think this is my favorite of his, which is weird to say because I love all of his stuff with uh, Simon Pegg. Yeah. But this one just, it, it's so smart and it's so much fun. You can just tell there was so much heart as he made this movie. Mm-hmm. So Baby Driver is number seven for me because it's got everything. And honestly, this could have been on my romance list, but saved it for crime. <laughs> yeah, you can definitely tell that Edgar Wright put a lot of, a lot of love into this movie yeah. as he made it. And yeah, like you're saying, the music is so good. Just like the whole premise of the kind of the lead character is so good. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and his, his connection to music. It's a really interesting story. And as far as like movies where primarily it's cars driving, like car chases. Yeah. That's what the whole movie essentially, he's a getaway driver for mm-hmm. robbers. Yeah, it's like drive, but fun. Right. More fun. It and, and I love drive. Yeah, but it's not really like. Fun. Right. But this one, you know, there's all these action movies or any real movie. If there's a car chase, there's a lot of emphasis on them, like shifting gears and burning out. To the point that where there seems to be more gears in that car than any car in existence. Right. Whereas like all the driving scenes in Baby Driver, it kind of rejuvenated the car chase yeah. mentality to me and the filmmaking of it. Because it's really fun watching him handle the cars yeah because he does it in a very unique way that you don't see in a typical like car chase film yeah it's a really good refresh of that kind of technique or whatever film element yeah yeah so baby driver is my number seven that's a great pick i love baby driver uh my number six number six number six (laughs) i forgot to say the rest of the word six my number six is a movie with one of the most iconic shootouts of all time. Drink. <laughs> That's a couple drinks now because he used iconic it's true. earlier. I intentionally used it earlier. That time was <laughs> yeah. just, it just happened. Don't worry. I'll be dropping that word several times. Get your drinks ready, folks. Uh, this movie, my number six movie is The Town's Big Brother, I feel like. <laughs> my number six is Heat. <laughs> I love it. Dustin knew what it was. I thought, I thought it was literally called Big Brother. No, like, no, it's called the town's big brother. Yeah. No, yeah. Ben Affleck has actually said he used heat as a big inspiration for yeah. the town. Heat is a crime epic, and so there's no <laughs> way I couldn't have a crime episode without heat on the list. And it's Mike, Michael Mann directed it, and he written written and directed by Michael Mann. And so there are some people that really don't care for his style of filmmaking and he does it's definitely stylized and so when you stylize something you can definitely be polarizing in certain ways right and he uses he uses a lot of long lenses and so there's a lot of like extreme close-ups where characters fill the screen and but it also does really interesting things even subliminally where you it pulls characters out from the background and like blurs the background and makes them jump off the screen kind of in a way and so i i really like it i really like the way that he does it the way he tells the story and and it's it's small like a small part of what makes this movie intriguing to me is how it 
it follows the robbers through all of the setup steps, like all the mundane, well, we have to get some cars, we have to get some clothes, we right. have to get some equipment. And so it's, it's, it, it follows them, but you're always, you're always intrigued. You're not just there for the action pieces. You're there for, and I mean, part of that is because the cast is amazing. The cast like, is unreal. De Niro and Pacino <laughs> and Val Kilmer. And I mean, there's tons of people. Tom Ashley Judd's in this. Ashley Judd's in it. I was looking through my ass. I was like, Ashley Judd's in one of my movies. And I was yeah. like, oh yeah, she's in Heat from the mid nineties. Yeah. She's obviously incredible. And it's just, it's just so good. I agree so much on the giant shootout that happens in that movie. It yeah. is unreal how cool that scene is. Yeah. And there's so many elements of it. Like I've, I followed a lot of like, like shooting element pieces of, of like culture. And there's a lot of pieces about that where it gets referred to a lot by yeah. actual, actual police and actual military where like, this is an interesting way of an actual accurate way of going against a force that is bigger than you and how you would get yourself out of there and that kind of stuff. Right. And so it's, it's very well done as, as a story and as a movie. Um, and of course you can't have a Pacino movie without <laughs> Pacino just being kind of crazy at certain without points. Without Pacino being Pacino. I yeah. mean, when he starts screaming, it's so good. There's my, one of my favorite lines is in this movie from Pacino where he's talking to an informant and the informant's like, I can't tell you, like I'll, I'll die. I'll get killed. And he's like, you get killed walking your doggy. <laughs> Pacino is just seeing my favorite well not my favorite scene with him in that movie but one of my like Pacino moments yeah is him kicking the television out of the passenger side of the car oh yeah <laughs> like I just there's something about watching him do that that's just so fun yeah it, it's not a fun scene but it's, <laughs> as a Pacino fan you look for those Pacino moments yeah where he just goes hard at some point he's gonna freak out <laughs> he'll freak out and everybody around him is like I'm not entirely at that level <laughs> right <laughs> How do I respond to this? <laughs> yeah, there's there's another scene where he's he's yelling at Hank Azaria's in this movie as yep. just like a random guy, and he's talking to Hank Azario, and he's like, "Man, how to get messed up with this girl?" And Pacino's like, "Cause you love a big ass. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get all up in that ass." And the way that he screams, "Big ass!" Yeah. Is- unreal <laughs> but then everybody's just looking at him and he just like brings it back down and he's like when i think about a woman's ass and just something comes out of me and he just he saves it and i don't know how he does it he does that so well where he never has like a gradual energy level it just spikes all one or way or the other yep all or nothing dude the heat is that was one I want it on my list so bad, but with my stupid moment <laughs> the other or yesterday the other day. Yeah. Whenever it was, it it became an honorable mention, but that movie is so great at yeah, really following the villains essentially. Yeah. But you're it's a weird movie cuz you root for Pacino so much cuz his his character's life sucks. Yeah. <laughs> but he's such a good character like you actually enjoy him Mm -hmm. but you're rooting for the bad guys at the same time so it puts you in a very interesting and it it's a credit to michael mann yeah because you root for both of them yeah and let's face it the diner scene between de niro and pacino is 
I was just about to say that scene alone. That's the kind of the climax or culmination when you bring the bad guy and the good guy together. They both know who they are. They both know why they're there, and they just kind of lay it all out there. Of you're gonna try to stop me. I'm gonna do what I need to do, and. Yeah, it does such a good job. Their whole conversation, and it's not that long of a conversation. It's pretty quick, but I don't know if it's just the fact that you get to see Pacino and De Niro Mm -hmm. exchanging that for the first time in their careers. Yeah. Or if it really is just that good a dialogue. I don't know. But that scene, every time I watch Heat, when that scene's coming up, Mm -hmm. I get excited. Because it's just so much fun to watch those two, like you said, just... They know who we, each other are. They're not trying to play any games with each other. It's very simple. Yeah. They both have a job to do. If you get in my way, I'm going to have to put you down. Yep. Like, <laughs> it's so good. Oh, he's such a good pick. <sighs> <laughs> You're a little jealous, huh? A little bit. Until I say my number six. You can add it onto your honorable mentions so you seem cool. Just don't post. Oh, it already is. Oh, sure. He's just yeah. saying that. Yeah. Way to listen. <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> so good to know our producer is... Uh, present yeah under my breath i was like he's just saying that you dick (laughs) well my number six is heat's little brother (laughs) my number six is the town nice (laughs) i don't don't, ben affleck Mm -hmm. is so good at everything in this movie and i think this is the movie that really showed hollywood what he's capable of doing yeah in front of and behind the camera. Yeah, as an actor and a director. He's just, he's so good. And honestly, I mean, he said it before too, but uh, Jeremy Renner in this movie, mm-hmm. it's probably his most intense role. And yeah. every time he shows up on the screen, I mean, you get a little nervous because you never know what the fuck he's actually going to do. Yeah, he's kind of, kind of out of control. But yeah, the town is just... And talk about shootout scenes. Every time there's a shootout in this movie, to which there are a few, mm-hmm. it is so well done. And it's so good. Mm-hmm. And it's, like you said, I mean, you're rooting for this team of bank robbers or armored truck robbers. And their yeah. costumes are incredible. But it's just, I love how they wrote and put in kind of all the little, what they're, you really get a sense of what they're outside the crime life is without ever actually seeing a lot of it yeah and it's the whole idea of like the woman that becomes an accidental hostage and then trying to keep tabs on her that whole part of the storyline is one of my favorites because it's so wrong yeah (laughs) it's so wrong yeah if you're talking about forbidden loves it's like (laughs) yeah up there but and everyone just I really feel every time I watch this and rewatching it recently for this, you could really tell that everyone in the cast was giving Affleck their all. Mm-hmm. So you could, re- I love it when you can tell in a movie when the whole cast is on that page and just willing to go all the way with it. Yeah. It's really cool. And that's, I think that's a pretty big testament for mm-hmm. how good a filmmaker Ben Affleck actually is. Yeah. I kind of feel he's underappreciated when it comes to filmmaking itself. Yeah. Yeah, I think in in general, if you have a team of people together and you can earn the respect of them and and encourage them to do their best, that's that's a great testament. As, yeah. a, as a director who's essentially a leader, yeah. And yeah, then he's got to carry... I mean, he's the lead in the movie, too. Yeah, for sure. I did read a fun tidbit about this one, too. Mm-hmm. 
See, I'm all full of these little things. <laughs> uh, I guess he would direct the cast while in full costume. So, okay. like, wearing the nun outfit, he would try to give direction to the other cast members. But he would be in character and costume. So, like, which nun is talking There, There was, yeah. like conversation of it was difficult sometimes to take direction from him because yeah. you couldn't really see him because there's some guy from boston talking out <laughs> right a nun mask <laughs> but the town is my number six it's so well done yeah and you can tell all the love that affleck has for a lot of the other crime movies heat being a big one for it you can really tell like his appreciation for that style of film yeah, you were saying the the shootout's really good. The chase is the car chase, and that's really oh, good. Oh yeah, like just cruising around the narrow streets of Boston in a minivan. They do a really good job of making it seem believable, but also like interesting and close. And yeah, and it never, it's never a clean thing yeah. during this movie, which I really like in terms of you know robbery film. Yeah, it's not. There's nothing clean in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Man, he's so good. It's so good. Can <laughs> you both watch it this week? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think I'm going to watch it tonight. You should. It's good. I've seen it once. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so fucking good. Yeah. I think I saw it with you, too. Probably. You may have. <laughs> so my number five is, as soon as I say this, I know Dustin's going to know what my movie is. <laughs> So this is my favorite Michael Bay movie. <laughs> oh god damn it. I do know what it is. <laughs> and my my number 6 is Pain and Gain. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Pain and Gain is is a movie about bodybuilders <laughs> who decide to they want to get they want to make money and they want to get rich so they kidnap and extort a guy. Of all of his assets and money and houses and businesses. I mean, at one point, you have Dwayne Johnson and Mark Wahlberg like competing on who can curl. Oh, yeah. For some reason, I just got it mixed up with that movie where they steal the guy's dog. Steal the guy's dog. Like his really tiny dog. Oh, shit. I know what the movie is. Yeah, that sounds remember. familiar. I can't this one remember. Sounds better, though, so this is better. So it's. It's, this one yeah. has a fun story for Jake and I. Yeah, like Dustin said, it has The Rock in it, Dwayne Johnson, and it has Mark Wahlberg in it. And they, if you're into Jack dudes like I am, they... <laughs> Sorry, Christy. They're they're already like big, cool. they're also already big guys, but they got like, they even put in, they put on like way more weight for this movie anyway. And then... I think a big reason that this movie is so good, and Dustin generally is not a big Michael Bay fan, and so I told him, I was like, you need to see Pain and Gain because it's so good. He's like, I don't think so. I was like, but I'll watch it. And I was like, you'll like it, I promise. And I think a big reason why it's so good and why you liked it, you liked it, right? Oh, yeah. You liked it more than you like Michael Bay's other movies. It's, it's his best movie. Yeah, I think that it's... Part of the reason for that is it's his lowest budget movie since his first movie. Like I think Bad Boys was like nineteen million, and this movie was only twenty million. Didn't like Bad Boys? I don't. Okay, I don't mind Bad Boys. Because I was gonna say with James, y'all were gonna go see the new one. Yeah, I did see the new one. Oh, but we'll oh. talk about that later. <laughs> um, no, my 
I'm, I'm going to get a lot of shit for this, but I don't care. My issue with Michael Bay films is they're the exact same movie, mm-hmm. and it's just two and a half hours every time of pointless explosions and swooping camera shots. Mm-hmm. That's all they are. And one-liners. Sorry. There's one-liners. <laughs> That's all they are. And so it gets really tiring after a while. Jake was so, like, adamant for me to watch Pain and Gain. And I couldn't, because I had no desire to watch this movie at all. But I did watch it. Yeah. And I did enjoy it. And it's because it didn't feel like a Michael Bay film. I mean, there's one explosion in the whole movie. It was amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And he, he made it in 2013. And he's, I think he said that he wanted to make it since, like, 2000. Well, it's based on a real, like loosely based on yeah that's story. the crazy thing is it's it's a true crime story of there are actually the sun jim gang was a real group of dudes that actually kidnapped and extorted money from a guy and ended up killing two people and <laughs> right. are like on death row or in life in prison <laughs> yeah. or something so it's an insane story that he had heard about and wanted to make this movie for a long time but he had to keep making transformers movies so he couldn't get around to it but I think after all that, he's just wanted to go back to basics and wanted to go back to kind of a return to form and focus on movie making on a super low budget. Like he, Michael Bay and The Rock and Mark Wahlberg all took pay cuts just to keep the budget low for right. this movie. Like they were so into it. And so it's it's such an interesting, fun, crazy story. The real story is even crazier because they... <laughs> I think in the movie they show that they tried to kidnap this guy two or three times and kept messing it up. In real life, apparently they tried to kidnap a guy like seven or eight different times <laughs> and just kept screwing it up. They're essentially hapless idiot bodybuilders that are just trying to get rich, trying to make it. Yeah. And Mark Wahlberg and The Rock and um, what's his name? The guy who plays Falcon in, in the Avengers. Uh, Anthony Mackie. Yeah, Anthony Mackie. He's, he's like the third bodybuilder guy and they just they're just jack dudes trying to make a buck and it's so fun yeah that movie when i watched it i mean i was like begrudgingly watching this movie that you would watch without me right yeah yeah Yeah. totally but when i watched it i mean i was very first off very shocked that it did not feel i mean right off the bat nothing about it felt Mm -hmm. like a typical michael bay movie Mm -hmm. nothing and i mean the the awkward humor between Wahlberg and The Rock worked so well. I wish they would do more stuff together just yeah. so I could get more of that. But yeah, Pain and Game, like by the time it ended, it's so ridiculous. And then you find out, like like you said, the the real story, mm-hmm. the non Hollywood eyes story, is just like asinine almost. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, but. Yeah, that's a good pick, man. It's so it, it really is fun, and it really is funny mm-hmm. because of how stupid <laughs> everyone in it is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, they're yeah they're just trying so hard. And they, <laughs> they've they've heard, it makes it seem like a lot of these movies you're like, oh, that's easy. I could pull off a heist. These are guys that saw those movies like he <laughs> and, fu- had and that they're thought. like, yeah, and they're like, oh, we could do that. All we need to do is reach out and grab it. And yeah, they're just so silly. That's a good pick. That's a fun pick. And then for fans of wrestling, there's a there's a scene where 
You and your wrestling. Yeah. The Rock is having has like a little fist fight in prison, and one of the guys he's fighting is Kurt Angle. He has a he has a cameo in it, and it that he's the guy he hits with like a weight plate in the face. Yeah. But that's really fun. <laughs> there's a there's a couple different like wrestling references or secret Easter eggs in that movie. So cool. Thank you. Thank you. you. He's got to get those wrestling references in every episode. Uh, My number five is not a fun movie, and we're returning to serial killers. Mm. (laughs) Okay, what's up? Uh, This one I feel is heavily underappreciated because it's such a unique look into the psyche of a serial killer. So my number five is Mr. Brooks with Kevin Cosner. Oh, yeah. Have you seen this, Christy? Um, I haven't, but if Kevin Costner is a serial killer, <laughs> it's going to fuck me up because Kevin Costner is super hot. And he is Dreamy. amazing okay, as a serial was, killer. What, what year is it made? Uh, 2007 or 2008, Put one of those. Put it on our list. I'm watching so. <laughs> Let me set this up for you. Okay. So he's a serial killer who his everyday life, he runs a box company. He's man of the year. He has a loving family. Straight edge. Very. Straight edge. But then to show his darker side, he has William Hurt plays a role named, um, oh my God, I just forgot his name. That's not good. God damn it. <laughs> Yeah, it's not like you're a host. Oh, uh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> no Marshall. Pressure, no His pressure. name's Marshall. And he is the killer side. He's like the killing urge. So he's this alter ego that is always behind Cosner, always talking to him about how to pick the next victim and how to go and kill someone. This movie is so unique in terms of serial killer stuff because Kevin Cosner. His character is going to AA meetings as an addict so that he won't kill anymore. Mm. But then he's got... Dexter of him. Now, as a fan of Dexter, this movie is smarter. But but Demi Moore is also in it, and she plays the detective who has been trying to hunt this killer for most of her career. Yeah. And then at the same time, she's also famous for putting another serial killer who has escaped from jail. So it's it's got tons of dynamics to it. But every scene between Cosner and William Hurt are so well done. They are fucking creepy. There's a couple scenes where they laugh together at something. I won't say what because it's kind of spoiler. But hearing them laugh and just like rewatching it again for this. Yeah. If you watch it, there's every time they like have movement, they move in sync with each other. Oh, because the whole idea is William Hurt is his alter ego. It's yeah. like the killing urge. But Mr. Brooks is so well written mm-hmm. and so interesting. It's just it's a unique serial killer film. Highly recommend this movie. Yeah, Christy's excited just hearing you talk about it, so I'll... Oh, you'll love it. I'm gonna watch it. Tonight. I feel like I've seen it, but I don't think we have it, so I'll get it. Um I, I can I know that there are scenes in this movie that Christy will see and you'll be able to be like, oh my God, that was inspired by so many other real life serial killers, but the way that they shoot it and do it, you're going to love. I'm excited. <laughs> I don't 
don't think the movie that I thought of is going to be on either of your lists. Would you think so? The one you just showed me? Yeah. It's in my honorable mentions, yeah, actually. Okay, well then. <laughs> oh, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Christy's over here making her own little list as we talk of things. I mean, I'm curious to see what she's writing down. She just showed me a poster, and I smiled I and laughed because it. yeah, it's, yeah, it's already in my honorable okay, mentions. Cool. Yeah. Well, then, maybe it's okay. I want it to be on my list, but I just had so many movies that I'm I loved. So proud of you. I oh, still have you. a few. It could end up being on mine. My number four is an older movie. Sorry, Christy. <laughs> we've wah, been wah. we've been talking about '90s and 2000s movies, but mine is from the '60s called Charade. Oh, I've seen it. You have seen it. That is a good <laughs> one. I d- yeah, I, I love this movie. I definitely made you watch it. It's has Audrey Hepburn and Cary Grant and Walter Matthau, and it's. I don't know why, but for the longest time, I thought it was a Hitchcock movie. It kind of has that feel, though. Yeah, it definitely has that feel. I, like, embarrassingly very recently realized it's not. (laughs) But, yeah, there are elements to it where I feel like it has to be inspired by him at least. Um, One of the reasons, I think, is because it does an interesting thing with light or lighting, where light will strike things in certain ways. And it it just seems very Hitchcockian. but it was directed by Stanley Donnan, who directed Funny Face with Audrey Hepburn and Indiscreet with Cary, Matt, or Cary Grant, um, and Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, of all things. Um, <laughs> That's a departure. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just a little different. But Charade is such a, it's such a good story. Uh, it's certainly one of my favorite mystery movies. It's heavily mystery. Movie. Yeah, it's, it's big time a mystery movie. It opens with the murder of a man being thrown out of a train... And then you find out that that man was Audrey Hepburn's husband and he was killed by some men who he was in the, the army with in World War II and they had found treasure and he didn't give them their cut and so they're kind of hunting him down. And after he got thrown off a train, they're trying to find the money and uh, keep like harassing her. And and Cary Grant's a guy that she meets and he keeps kind of changing characters through the whole movie. Well, this is another one that you can't say too much about because yeah. in terms of movies with twists and stuff this one is it it twists like most movies have like a twist this, this twist, one is heavy-handed and twisting yeah. stuff. it twists three or four or five different times <laughs> throughout the whole story and now yeah i think that's why it makes it such a good mystery it's because you never know who's who or what's going well, on even when the movie ends because i i recently by accident watch this really yes i was uh visiting my mom and dad and my dad had put it on and I sat down and watched it with him. But yeah, yeah, this one is like, even when it ends, you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really fun. I really like it's it. It's a really good one. And if you're an Audrey Hepburn fan, yeah, this is one you never hear about this one. Yeah. Yeah. It's not Which one of the big, sad, like, it really is. It's not one of the big, good. like Academy movies, but it's definitely a really fun movie. <laughs> So that's that's charade. Number, charade is so good. Number four for me. Highly right. Yeah. What year was that made? Sixty-three. Close. Oh, you were really close, Christy. Yeah, that's that's such a fun one, and it's one like because I only recently saw it, mm-hmm. and it was at my mom and dad's. Yeah. He's had it on a couple times. My dad has, and uh, yeah, the few times or two times that I've watched it now, I'm like, this movie is really good. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of... They have good chemistry. I that is a great pick, man. That's such a good pick. Thank you. I'm kind of jealous of that pick. <laughs> great pick. Shut up, Christy. 
I will. My next one, my number four, is the last super fun movie on my list. I was really so with my realization mm-hmm. from my stupid moment, I guess. Uh, when I realized that this was in fact a crime movie. Oh yeah. I got really excited and the hardest time was just figuring out where in my list it was going to go. Um this is Guy Ritchie's masterpiece. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> At least I'm pretty sure. <laughs> it's got British humor. It's got bumbling idiots who want to be gangsters. It does has it, gangsters. Does it have Brad Pitt in it? It's got a dog that swallows a squeaky toy, a diamond, and Brad Pitt as a gypsy who you can't understand a fucking thing he says. You can't says. understand the damn thing. <laughs> My number four is Snatch. This movie is one of the most enjoyable movies to watch. Whether you were a fan of heist films or whatever, or straight action or games from it. I mean, this movie really has every genre except romance and horror. I yeah. guess, yeah. But <laughs> it's so much fun. Mm-hmm. And Brad Pitt in this movie is, he honestly, I mean, he's not in it heavily, but the scenes he's in, unless you have it on subtitles, and even then, yeah, I, I'm the not subtitles, sure the subtitles catch it. Yeah, the subtitles don't even know what they're just like <laughs> typing. They're like, I don't, I don't know what he's Foot saying. letters. Who fucking cares? Yeah. But the way that the story is told and the editing in this movie is so much fun. And if you've watched any Guy Ritchie film, especially mm-hmm. gangster Guy Ritchie, you know his way of storytelling is very unique. It's close to like kind of Tarantino esque. Yeah. But with its own spin on it, but snatch is so much fun. And I won't say what the sequence is, but there's a sequence with an arms dealer named Boris. That is one of the funniest couple minutes of any movie ever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love Snatch a lot. I do. I'm a big Guy Ritchie fan. Right. And I think that's actually a really good and interesting point to say that it's Tarantino-esque. Because he he does a similar thing where... There's... Where the storytelling is not necessarily linear. Yeah. And he also does an interesting, where, interesting thing where he has violence in his movies that are kind of visceral and realistic violence. But it's also... It's done in a way or edited or timed in a way like Tarantino where it's not not it doesn't turn you off as much as it can be humorous in a weird way right well in, in Snatch so when I was re-watching it as I do with all the movies that I'll go back and rewatch, I, I really enjoy reading up all the fun production stories and a fun thing about this one that I didn't realize until towards the end of the movie was almost every death scene in this movie is off screen but the way that every death happens in the movie is super violent. You just yeah. don't actually like actually see it. Yeah. Which I thought was a really interesting thing. That is thing. interesting. I haven't thought of that. Because I know it didn't even click with me. And I've seen the movie so many times. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. But Snatch is just, it's one of the most enjoyable mm-hmm. gangster heist I don't even know if it technically constitutes as a heist film because yeah. it's just a bunch of morons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And there's a big ass diamond at one point. <laughs> they are trying to steal something, so I right. guess so. <laughs> but Snatch is number four. Great yeah. movie. It's a great movie. I do love Snatch. <clears throat> All right, so my number three is my. S- <laughs> I'm shocked you didn't laugh at that. You love Snatch, huh? Oh my god. <laughs> you were just. I'm glad you're paying attention to this. Jack Dudes and Snatch for Jake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a complicated person. Okay. Uh, my 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 number three. It, my number three. I know it's a safe space. My number three <laughs> is my second Shane Black movie, and it's my first written and directed by Shane Black movie. Is this a Christmas movie? It is a Christmas movie. <laughs> Weirdly. I don't know. Shane Black has a thing for Christmas because Lethal Weapon is set during Christmas and this movie is set during Christmas. This is Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. It's one of the greatest Christmas movies ever. Yeah. (laughs) Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is also a Christmas movie and it's also a great mystery movie. It's very it's very different from Charade obviously. It's very modern and it's also kind of like Lethal Weapon that neo-noir, film noir aspect of, of filmmaking and characters. But he does such a good job of, of writing these characters and the dialogue between each other. It's a really fun movie. Um, and it's it's just, it's really entertaining to watch um, the characters. So it has Val Kilmer, who's a gay detective. And it has Robert Downey Jr., who's a small-time crook who gets mistaken for an actor. And, and then as Michelle Monaghan, who's just... A girl who's in L.A. Basically, well, she's an actress. Yeah, she, she I has guess, a commercial. Uh, I think it's a beer commercial. Yeah, she's a beer beer commercial with a bear. Um, but they end up kind of accidentally stumbling across a murder and then try to solve it, but don't really try to solve it, and it just kind of keeps coming up in their lives, and they keep kind of the story keeps unfolding, and it's it's just a great mystery story that's all kind of boiled together that's a weird way to describe it but well it's a hard movie to really like describe i guess in a way because yeah it only reason it's not on my list because it's a christmas movie (laughs) (laughs) but it's so fucking good yeah it's more i don't think it's as christmas as die hard true so it's more on the crime side for me okay um but yeah, it's 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 a really it's a really really fun movie. And if you like if you like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang or you check it out and you like it, also check out The Nice Guys because yes! also written and directed by him with yes! Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. It's just as fun, just as good, just as well written. The Nice Guys is also yeah. really really fun. Do you Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? If you're a Robert Downey Jr. fan and you have not watched this movie yeah i would say it's about among its best you need to watch this movie because it, it's like you said it's legitimately one of the most fun detective movies because it is an accidental yeah. detective movie yeah and it's kind of a non-linear story in a way where it's it's told in a weird way where you kind of uncover different things at different times and you're learning as the characters learn right it's really really fun i i feel like I always think of a line from, well, I don't want to say. There's a line in the movie. <laughs> I'm trying not to spoil stuff. Yeah. But there is a line in the movie that I have constantly thought of since we started this podcast. Oh, really? Yes. 
<laughs> I want to say it every time, but then I don't. You'll have to tell me after. <laughs> well, I might just say it at you the end of this one because it. it would be really fun. I'll save it for the ending of okay. this one. But listen to the end. There is a line in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang that's just, it's so funny to me because it just feels so like out of place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could just say, if you don't want to hear it, skip 10 seconds ahead and say it. No, that's lame. Okay. We'll say it at the Why? end. I'm going to say it at the end. Nobody skips ahead. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I think you saying that reminded me of the writing in this movie is is so well done and the dialogue is so well done. I really appreciate there are really smart, quick jokes that you have to kind of either pay attention or watch multiple times to really appreciate and pick up. I really like this movie for its. It has kind of nerdy jokes about grammar. There's a running joke about using <laughs> using adverbs and adjectives correctly. And it, it once you get it, you kind of it can ruin other things for you. Like there's they make fun of each other for using the word badly correctly or incorrectly. Right. And there are a lot of t- like popular sitcom TV shows that use badly incorrectly and it just kind of ruins it for you. But it's really smart and really funny. Val the way Val Kilmer's character berates robert downey jr throughout the movie is so yeah and every time i'm like hey fuckhead (laughs) like he calls him that so many times in the movie it's so good (laughs) such a good pick such a good pick uh my number three is all in thanks to my dad uh so he's a giant fan of gangster movies And because of that, I have turned into a giant fan of gangster movies. Now, my dad didn't introduce me to gangster flicks the typical way. So I did not actually see the Godfather trilogy until I had already seen a handful of other gangster movies. Um, No, my dad decided to throw me in the deep end with Martin Scorsese's timeless masterpiece. I mean, this movie is so fucking good. But Goodfellas is my number three because I have nothing against the Godfather trilogy. But to me, Goodfellas is the most perfect telling of the gangster lifestyle I've ever seen. To the point where they've had like, I mean, and Scorsese is famous for having actual Mm. mafia, like mob members on set and stuff. Um, They've even like, they got worried about the main character because it's a true story mm-hmm. and it's frighteningly accurate to the true story. <laughs> but everything about this movie is almost too well done. Mm-hmm. Ray Liotta is amazing. And that almost doesn't even say yeah. enough. Just this is another one I mentioned earlier. You know, you when you tell that a cast is 110% into the role, they're giving it, they're all. Goodfellas is that movie, especially as like the drugs kick in and everything's falling apart for so many people. Seeing the way that it all plays out is Goodfellas is too good. And I have my dad to thank for it because it's just it's so incredible. And kind of like, I mean, you don't feel good watching this movie because it's so brutal. <laughs> but getting that very accurate insight to that lifestyle is very frightening but you at the same time you're kind of getting the appeal of it because it's fast money and Mm -hmm. you get so much power 
So Goodfellas is my number three. Thank you, Dad. That's that's really, really good. I struggled so much with... Like, you, you texted me having the epiphany that heist movies are crime Right. Movies. At the beginning of when we decided to do crime, I was like, okay, I need to think of all of the different movies that could fall in there. And I had heist movies, and I had considered mafia movies or gangster movies as well. And I did not actually have any on there. Okay. But I had very heavily considered Goodfellas because it is it is that perfect, great kind of gangster epic where it, it tells all the little pieces. It starts at the very beginning and, and carries all the way through to becoming a made man and then and then and then going against the rules just because you want to you get into that drug stuff. <laughs> right. You're like you know you shouldn't, but it's just so easy. And yeah, it's 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 so good and every every character in it is so entertaining. Yeah, I wanted to te- I almost texted you to be like, Are we including gangster movies in this? But I did not because like if I ask him that, he is immediately going to be like, oh, so Goodfellas is on Dustin's list. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just, I knew it would happen, so I just, mm-hmm. I'm going to throw it out in there. <laughs> yeah, as you were talking about it, I was like, this, either, this has to be Goodfellas. But you also have thrown me some curveballs where I, have. I was like, okay, maybe it's Casino. Maybe so, it's the Irishman. Well, that's maybe interesting it's... because Casino for a long time, I saw that after I saw Goodfellas. And Casino was my favorite gangster movie for a very long time because it's, it's a lot different yeah. than Goodfellas. But I just, I find myself constantly going back to Goodfellas way more than any other one. So Goodfellas, it was just kind of that, like, this is yeah. my favorite gangster movie. And The Irishman is right up there with Casino it, and Goodfellas as well. so many of the same It's beats. so good. It's, kind of, <laughs> it's really interesting to follow... Because Scorsese has made several very similar pictures yeah. with similar actors in similar roles. And so it's it's interesting to follow on how he's kind of how he's kind of polished those or improved those over time, where he's he's done one and then changed it slightly and done the similar thing. Well, an Irishman really felt like a giant culmination of his like gangster movie yeah. work. It really felt like there were elements of everything he's done. And there was a lot of the cast that he's worked yeah. with. <laughs> yeah. But Yeah, if you like Goodfellas, I'm sure you would like the Irishman because yeah. they're similar. And they're both super long. <laughs> they are yeah, I was fortunate. I had to take a plane ride to Alaska this year for work. And, oh nice. And I had like six hours to kill. I was like, well, we're watching the Irishman. <laughs> right, because that's like, three and a half right yeah. there. And like one or two other movies. <laughs> All right, my number two is... Two! Two! Are we going to do that? Is that our new thing? Well, I think we did it in the first episode, and we haven't done it since. We did it recently. Yeah, you did it. Oh, you did it? It was either last episode or the episode before. It's it's come up, and now it's a third time, so it's a trend. It's not Uh a coincidence. (laughs) We're falling for Jake's wrestling references. Two! (laughs) My number two is No Country for Old Men. Oh, there it is. I put it up really high... Because it's a movie that before I even saw it, I knew that I was going to like. But the first time I saw it, I didn't care for it. Ooh. And I kind of thought it was overhyped and I it fell off my radar for a long time. I was like, okay, that wasn't what I hoped it would be. And then I went back to it and I ended up loving it. And I think a big reason for that is kind of how you mentioned it's very 
the Coen brothers do a really good job in all their movies of making things extremely realistic and from everything from character choices to the violence in the film is all very, very realistic. And when you pair that with Cormac McCarthy, who's the writer of the book, No (laughs) Country for Old Men, those things are both extremely realistic and stylized and knows what it is and it's very specific to what it is. And so if you have expectations, I think it's easy to be disappointed. But if you watch it for what it is and the story it's telling you, it's very specific. And I think that also speaks to not having any music. Right. It, it literally has no yeah, music. Yeah, there is no music. We talked about it. a couple of other movies in the previous episode that have very little music. It has no music until the last, like the credits. And even the credits are like... Yeah. Yeah. It, there's no music. And it, yeah, it's just insane. And But it, it follows and focuses so well that you don't really notice. You just... You, you are engrossed by the characters the cast is so good javier bardem i think is just such a good job of being a weirdly eccentric villain and he's frightening he's yeah insane. he is frightening he's essentially he plays a character but he's also kind of represents death yeah and he's just unstoppable force of death that just flows through and it's yeah it's such a great and interesting uh movie and you you mentioned that it doesn't have an ending i'm going to disagree with you I think that it does have an ending and the ending is great. It's just that the ending is not what you would come to expect from a movie. I, no- I would agree with that. Normally I- you expect a movie to have a certain ending that is very, you feel closure or you feel well, like. Even like, even for movies that are open-ended. Yeah. Even this feels so different from even that to me. Yeah. And I guess that's why I, because I tend to tell a lot of people when I talk about this movie, like, there's no ending. It just yeah, stops. It stops, but it's <laughs> yeah. it stops because the story stops. It's, yeah. It, I say that it has an ending because it, it's, it's realistic like the rest of the film. It's just like life where you the, the cops don't always catch the bad guy and the good guys don't always win and things just kind of go on and people get old and you just kind of stop doing what you're doing, but Everything keeps continues on, and that's okay because right. it happens constantly, and you need to. <laughs> that's the story that as it is, and so that's. I think it's really good. The reason I feel like it has an ending and it has a certain, a different kind of closure for me is because, the way Tommy Lee Jones' book ends the movie, where he starts, right. he starts it out with a a narration that kind of sets up the story so well. It basically describes the exact title of the movie of how you're getting older and he's getting older and he finds himself in a world that he is surpassed by. And and then he ends the movie telling his wife about a couple of dreams he had. And those dreams are, he, he as a character doesn't really think much about them, but it leaves so much to the audience to interpret of what it means. I, I agree with that. It definitely leaves you with a sense of like, because you really do think of everything you just watched, and then you really think of what his narrations mm-hmm. mean and what the point of them was. So yeah, it sticks in your brain for so long. Yeah, it's a it's it's done in a really thoughtful but not that obvious way. Yeah. It's it's not like if you're watching if you want 
are interested in watching it, but you don't want something that's too complicated. It's not complicated. It's the kind of thing that it's in a not obvious way, but you would, you don't need to be that involved to understand it, if that makes sense. So you can, right. you can watch it and feel smart about thinking about it <laughs> a little bit and get a lot out of it without giving, putting too much into it right. in, in a weird way. It's so good. Yeah, I, I really think that's interesting it. that uh, it went from you not enjoying it to your number two. Yeah, and I th- I think that's a big jump. It is a big jump. It's I think it's it's just around expectations, pretty yeah. much. Where it's I was I was expecting maybe it was set up by the trailers, maybe it was set up for. Well, I think Oscar the trailers hype. set it up as like action packed and all that, and it really isn't. It's yeah. it's a two hour very dry deserty movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and if you yeah you have to i think there are a lot of elements in it about if you like what the Coen brothers do if you like fargo if you like um all the they have a bunch of those crime movies that you well, like it, miller's crossing and all that yeah. if you enjoyed that stuff i feel you would enjoy this one yeah i agree all right my number two cannot do a crime list without having this movie on here I did not talk about it in Thriller because its technical <laughs> listing is crime. Uh, but this is one of those movies that oftentimes is lumped up into horror okay. constantly. And this movie has one of the most iconic villains <laughs> from one of the most iconic actors. Yep. We've already <laughs> talked about him. We did already. In fact, we've already talked about the two stars in this movie. Yep. Silence of the Lambs is my number two. Yeah, with Sir Anthony Hopkins. Yes, and Jodie Foster. This movie, first, so in our thriller episode, I talked about when I watched Devil's Advocate, how my cousins and I were told, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to watch this. And there was one other movie. This was that other movie that we were not allowed to watch. When I watched this for the first time, this movie fucked me up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But what was weird about it was it wasn't Hannibal Lecter that, I mean, he's obviously very disturbing and it's obvious why he is the face of this movie and why, you know, he just, he's so famous. And But honestly, in terms of like the story and what affected me more in this movie was the killer that they're trying to find. Wild Bill? Uh, Buffalo Bill. Buffalo Bill, yeah. That character is unnerving yeah. to watch on the scene. He's crazy. And Ted Levine plays him, but it's... I saw this after I had started getting kind of like really curious. I had already seen Copycat. I had seen Kiss of Girls. I had seen a handful of other movies that there were serial killer characters in it. Mm-hmm. This was the one I had recently learned about like Ted Bundy and recently learned about a few other killers. Mm-hmm. And then to see their actual actions being portrayed fairly blatantly on screen mm-hmm. shook me. I mean, it was frightening. And this movie gets quoted a lot, you know, with the, like, it puts the lotion in the basket. I even make that joke a lot. But when you know the context, it's very like, oh, I probably shouldn't be saying that. It's gross. But this movie also, in terms of film sequences, has one of the all-time most intense sequences in it it's one of my favorites it's obviously the last act of the movie is just so fucking good 
But Silence of the Lambs, this definitely is a movie where when you hear that it deeply affects people, mm-hmm. it's real. This movie yeah. fucks with you. <laughs> and Jodie Foster is amazing yeah. as a young FBI agent who just dives into this. Yeah. And is brave enough to go right. mano a mano against Hannibal Lecter. Which is fun to know because then when they came around to film Hannibal, she refused to be in it. Because Anthony Hopkins scared the shit out of her so much in silence that she just could not be back in that world. Yeah, I believe it. He's he's so intense, even being in a straitjacket and on the other side of the room. Well, in just a, his eyes. In a mask, yeah, yeah. behind bars. You're like, there's something about his presence that's so well, scary. Him listening to like classical music as he's slaughtering yeah there's (laughs) there's something that's he does an interesting thing where his violence is primal but he's still extremely civilized yeah high class very yeah yeah silence of lambs just that movie will always it'll never leave my psyche it's just it's so good yeah i had a feeling it would be on your list it's it's an it's an incredible movie (laughs) So we're at number one. Number one. My number one is the best true crime movie of all time, in my opinion. I'm going to put that caveat on there. My number one is Zodiac. I said Zodiac. Because it's like the most accurate. It helps that it's extraordinarily accurate, but it's also helped by so many other aspects. So... It directed by David Fincher, and we—I don't know if we've talked too much about David Fincher in the past week. He's come up, but I have—I know you. His have. movies have started popping up just as much as Nolan's movies. Okay, yeah, Fincher is incredible. It's Seven was also almost on my list, and there's a huge, I think, difference between this movie and Seven. Oh, where very much. Not just in context, but Seven, I—I I feel like it's his first movie. Even though Alien 3 was his first movie, I feel like... But he would even tell you that 7 is... <laughs> yeah. I, I, I imagine he didn't have a lot of control on Alien 3. <laughs> but between 7 and Zodiac, there's so much improvement. And there's there's a really interesting... I loved David Fincher, and then I continued to look more into him. And there's a really interesting YouTube channel called The Nerd Writer. And he focuses on a whole lot, a whole bunch of different kinds of art and filmmakers and artists and how to how to consume it how to appreciate it what it means why they're doing things they're doing and i didn't even realize it because it's so subliminal subliminal but the nerd writer pointed out a thing that fincher does in all of his things where his camera movements are so connected to the characters you're watching and so small that even their tiniest movements the camera's moving with them as it as they move and it connects you with them so well um that it's it's just it's it involves you in the story in a weird way um when i after i had first seen zodiac i was so like inspired i was like this movie touched me in a weird way that i'd never been that i never felt before and i needed to watch more movies like it yeah and i needed to find more movies like it and and i really couldn't the closest thing i could find since is the show uh what's that show no not true detective even though it's a great show um mind hunter 
And obviously that's partly because oh, David Fincher directed <laughs> the like several episodes of it. So it kind of sets the tone. Right. But both Mindhunter, if you're into Zodiac or Mindhunter, check out one or the other. Both of them focus so well on not just the serial killer and their acts, but all of the surrounding aspects of how the news is trying to figure out who this guy is and all of the clues he's sending them and how the police are trying to figure it out. There's not a ton of actual... of There's not a lot of footage of the killings in Zodiac. Yeah. It's mostly focused around how the, the newspaper is trying to figure out who's sending them letters and how the cops are trying to figure it out. And it's it's kind of procedural, but it's really, really interesting. It's heavily procedural. Yeah. But, I mean, that was, like, the point of that movie was to show you, here's the case. Mm-hmm. Here's why it's unsolved. Here's, right. And the recreations of the the crime scenes and, like, the acts. Yeah. First time I watched Zodiac was very intense because it just, it felt, well, it, it I no longer felt like I was watching a movie depicting this stuff it yeah. really suddenly put me into a world of like oh shit i'm actually watching the zodiac killer kill these people mm-hmm. like i'm actually watching this case unfold yeah which is very disturbing yeah <laughs> but you know i'm a big david fincher fan love zodiac mm-hmm. zodiac was like i would agree in terms of accuracy to a true crime case yeah Zodiac is on point. Mm-hmm. And fun tidbit time from Dustin. <laughs> hey, hey. Apparently, the like one survivor they had mm-hmm. from the actual killing spree yeah. has a cameo in Zodiac. And from that guy, he had said like when they recreated his scene, mm-hmm. it was too real. It put him back to that experience too much wow so his one cameo you would never even really see him he's in the background at at the top of like an escalator or a staircase yeah so unless you know and he's that not he's like there, a famous actor that you would recognize no he's just no a guy. he's just in the background yeah. and that's it but this movie is like i really love how he filmed everything mm-hmm. and like you said his camera work has always kind of blown me away because i always feel immediately in the thick of it yeah. with all of his movies. You never feel like you're just a, oh, I'm just watching it. Like yeah. you're, I feel dirty. I feel like, yeah, you feel like <laughs> you're here. walking next to them. And... I've never seen it. You've never, yes, you have. We've seen it You've had to. Okay, we're watching Zodiac tonight. No, I'm watching that other one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kayla, you're so, my number one is seven. Okay. <laughs> what a great segue. Um, exactly like Silence of the Lambs, Seven is oftentimes included into horror. Yeah. Completely understandably why. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite thing about this movie, though, is, well, like we were just saying everything about David Fincher. Essentially, it's David Fincher. Yeah. You're in the thick of this movie. It's dirty. It rains for the entirety of the film, except for yeah. like two scenes, I think. Mm-hmm. It is famous for the... What's in the box? The what's in the box line. I try not to like use that line because knowing the story, knowing what that scene actually is. Yeah, we don't have that problem here. Every time we get something from Amazon, <laughs> right. Right, Christy's like, what's in that box? <laughs> right. 
But that movie's like... We don't have that problem. It, it's so... <laughs> I like that you can tell it was Fincher's real first outing. I mean, yeah. he finally got to make a film where the studio didn't get to interfere with what he was really trying to show and mm-hmm. do. Him, Brad Pitt, and Morgan Freeman were adamant about keeping that film how it is. The studios were super freaked out about the ending because it's not a feel-good ending, and they absolutely, like, all of them were ready to walk if the studio tried to change it. So I love that it's a win for a filmmaker. Yeah. Making the movie he wants to make. And also, interesting thing, also with this movie, you never see any of the kills. Yeah. Except one. (laughs) But the one kill that you do see in the movie Mm -hmm. is not super violent it's not highly graphic it's very fast it's very quick yeah but the intensity in this movie and just how they like they build up the characters just so you can watch them get ripped apart yes the idea for a serial killer to do this i really feel being should we say we're fans of serial killers (laughs) yeah christy would wait i mean i guess we should say that to the listeners the three of us are fairly heavily intrigued by serial killers. Yeah. I wouldn't say we're fans. We're just... We have a heavy interest. Well, the psychology of it is so insane and intriguing in the most morbid, fucked up kind of way. Yeah. But this movie, I really feel like it feels real. It yeah. feels like, yes, there could be... Because we've had them. Mm-hmm. They just haven't gotten to that extreme style of killing usually they go into like the cult area yeah but we've, we've definitely had killers that choose a bizarre but popular theme or for some reason right and so there's it seems very plausible that you would find one that chose the seven deadly sins of all things to right do in kind of a just way because they they're kind of killing people that are sinning for some reason and yeah that they feel is you know deserving of punishment or yeah. whatever but Plenty yeah so seven i love the grittiness i love the darkness of this movie i love that they don't try to set it up for a like heroic mm-hmm. kind of conclusion it's it's very much realistic in the aspect of like you never know yeah good doesn't always win bad guys aren't always what you're thinking mm-hmm. and it's heavy in all of that. So seven is my number one. Cause it's a movie. Every time I watch it like Zodiac for you, where it just affects you and like yeah. hits all the right notes for you. Seven is that movie that just, it hits me in my core. Yeah. Yeah. And the villain's really good in it. And he's, he's so well defined that he has a, a motive and will follow through all the way through that. Even though the, the police have trouble keeping up. Yeah, it's so good. It really is good. Seven's so good. It's crazy to think of Fincher as a director who, before making that, before making Alien Three and making this movie, <laughs> he was basically a, a well, he was doing like music music video, video director. <laughs> like he made so many music videos, it's kind of insane. That right, he's such a good director. And it's really interesting knowing that he went from Alien Three, and if you know what his actual Alien Three movie was oh i don't oh i imagine it was better than what we got oh it was brutal and insane and now i don't hate alien 3 but i always find myself wishing 
I could see his vision and not the studio's vision. Yeah, I don't hate it. It's just obviously weaker than one or two. It's very weak compared to the first two. Yeah. But knowing that he almost completely gave up on making films after his experience with Alien 3. That would have been so sad. To go from that to 7 is like... I feel like he wanted to set out to make a film that would make people just, uh oh. Mm-hmm. And it really, to this day, it is that movie where people t- bring up serial killer movies and yeah. it's, you know, it's silence. Zodiac gets mentioned a handful of times, but Seven just always seems to be that movie that people, you mention it to a group of people, mm-hmm. and over half of that group is going to be like, great movie. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, <laughs> That's that's a great element to the the story of how it got made that he was so willing to walk that I think it set it must have obviously I don't know him but it must have right. set him up to be like I have nothing to lose so either I'm making the movie I want or I'm done with making <laughs> right. movies and yeah so it worked out That's it that's our crime list Top 10 crime So do you want to do your stuff or do you want us to do our honorable mentions and then your stuff Okay, okay. Chris will go last Uh I guess since you just went, I'll do my top, my honorable mentions. Um, So I have just a few. I have a handful. So Dragged Across Concrete is one of my... I have not seen this one. It's a really good movie. It's It's fairly recent, isn't it? It's a pretty recent one. It has Mel Gibson and Vince Vaughn in it. It's uh, written and directed by S. Craig Zoller, Zoller, I think. If If you've seen his other two movies, you kind of know what kind of movie it is. It's not for the too faint of heart or easily offended. It's... He also wrote and directed um, Brawl and Cell Block 99 and Bone Tomahawk, which are both fairly brutal movies. Yeah. But this is a really good movie, a dirty cop movie with with those two actors. And I think it's really interesting and and good story. Um, My other movie is uh, Copland. Oh, dude. I was going (laughs) to... Obviously, if I didn't have The Departed on my... Um, on my previous list already at the very very top I would have had it on this list Copland is a similar vein where you have good cops versus bad cops and it's a little less focused on the organized crime element but has a really really good cast a lot of the people we've talked about today right <laughs> um, but yeah definitely check out Copland well it's a great outing for Stallone yeah he's the lead he does a great job yeah Stallone does an incredible job it's kind of a different kind of character in it um and then the one, the one that Christy showed a poster to me of, and she's like, oh, I just thought of this movie. I was like, yeah, it's on my honorable mentions. That movie was The Voices with Ryan Dude, Reynolds. that movie's hilarious in such a fucked up way. It, yeah. It's, it's a movie about, <laughs> That's a great movie about Ryan Reynolds, and he has this disorder or, or situation where he's, he imagines his pets talking to him, and they convince him to kill, to people. kill people. And so he ends up up killing a lot of women and they end up talking to him and it's just a really fun movie it's such a dark and morbid it's yeah it is it's a i would say it's on the on the fun serial killer it's side. a dark comedy yeah for sure uh, yeah i mean it's ryan reynolds and anna kendrick so it's it's just they are good and charismatic people they are really good together um and then the bone collector is one of my favorite mystery movies with denzel washington and angelina jolie um, one of the rare movies I've actually read the book of, and the book is just as good. It just has a couple other of the crime scenes in it. Um, but The Bone Collector is really exciting. And then my last one is Frailty. Oh, um, God. Frailty is uh, similar to one you mentioned. I forget. One, something you said made me actually think of it. But it's it's a movie with Matthew McConaughey. Actually, a couple months after he did The Wedding Planner, Matthew McConaughey was in this movie. The God Hands Killer. Yeah. He's, God's hand killer. Yeah, his he's a kid talking to the cops about 
his dad who was a guy who felt like he could he was given the gift by god to tell that certain people are demons actually and so he kidnaps and kills them but they look like normal people to everybody else and it's a really interesting and intriguing story and it's intense bill paxton plays his dad right that's another movie for those that have seen it where you'll mention it and people all respond the same way (laughs) they just kind of shudder yeah because that movie is it's dark it's a very dark film and it it hits you deeply during that that's such a cool yeah uh, my honorable mentions, I'm going to throw Christopher Nolan's very first film, Following, into my honorable mentions. It's uh, it's not even an hour and a half long, but it's about a guy who just likes to follow people to get a glimpse of their everyday life, and he ends up following a thief who brings him into that lifestyle. Very interesting movie, and fun little note on this one, this movie has... a a handful of fan theories connected to other Nolan pictures, especially Inception. Yeah, well, there's a main character is named the same thing. Yeah, yeah, he's named Cobb, and the suits are similar. It's fun. Yeah. Um, Since you already, like, most of your list were my honorable mentions, (laughs) I'll pick a few different ones. Uh, Primal Fear with Richard Gere and Edward Norton. It was actually Norton's first movie. That movie... Not for the faint of heart, but a very good movie. Um, Carlito's Way with yeah. Al Pacino. Great Pacino flick. Yeah. Hell or High Water with uh, Jeff Bridges. If you haven't seen this movie, it's... Chris Pine. Oh my God. This movie, when I first saw it, was like, oh, this is not just a bank robber movie. It is yeah. very good. Very, very good. Uh, and then I'll end on a couple fun ones. Uh, Bandits. With Bruce Willis and um, Billy Bob Thornton. Okay. That movie is probably one of the more fun heist kind of films. It's got silly slapstick humor. Very interesting story. They both fall in love with the same woman, but they're trying to do a heist together. It's very okay. unique film. Check it out. And then I'm going to go with a very classic film. That I thought was going to be on your list. Yeah. But you had Charade instead. Okay. I'm going with The Sting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Sting is a great <laughs> the movie. The Sting is so good. Robert Redford. Yes. And Paul Newman. Paul Newman, of course. Which is an, an iconic duo <laughs> they are in extre- Hollywood. Extremely <laughs> iconic. Among the most iconic. Yeah, that mo- The Sting, I was introduced, at a fair- introduced to at a fairly young age. Me too. And it was, it was the kind of movie that I was surprised at a lot of points that I didn't expect to be surprised by. Right. And so I think even by today's standards, it's a really great movie. It's a, it's very enjoyable film. Yeah. Very enjoyable. All right, Christy, you are up. Well, you already said one, but the only other one I was thinking of earlier was Turner and Hooch. <laughs> Turner oh and my Hooch. God, Turner and Hooch. That's yeah. a great pick. Uh-huh. I <laughs> love Turner so and Hooch. Good. I never even thought of that. I didn't think of that as a crime movie, but it definitely is. Right, because you think of it as like it's a buddy cop film. It is among the best buddy cop movies. Watching Tom Hanks feed him like they're eating the dog bones together. (laughs) Oh my god, Turner and Hooch is so good. (laughs) Christy's just cheesing. She's so (laughs) proud of herself. She's loving that right now. (laughs) Yep. Good job. <laughs> See, I can play too. Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. Which, next week, you guys, 
Is it going to be next week? Next week at what? Is it going to be next week? Yeah. Isn't that what the plan was? All right. So next week, I get to make a list. Christy's first list. So we are... I can't really speak for Jake. (laughs) 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 But I know next week's episode is one that Christy and I have been itching to get to since the beginning of this whole thing. It is... Oh, man. (laughs) So excited for next week's. It, It could be... I'm going to say right now, our longest episode yeah. to date. <laughs> I think that's okay. Exciting. I, I feel like... I'm sure that people are excited to hear more from Christy because she has... Oh, right. We'll have to get you. I'm really excited to hear Christy's list as well. Because I... Well, no. That's a good thing. I feel yeah. like between the three of us, we're going to have a lot of overlap. Probably. Because you respect me, isn't it? <laughs> I've already... <laughs> I've started, make, started making my list and I, I have some weird choices in it so i don't i don't know what kind of overlap we'll have it'll be a very interesting episode i'm looking forward to it i know to like make sure not to get on each other like to not look too close on flex yeah because i know i i have also been making my list and i know that i definitely have a couple on mine neither of you will have on yours okay and hopefully people won't have seen yet because i try to yeah. I feel like I've kind of made that another trend of mine on this is having at least one movie people haven't yeah. heard of or seen. A deep cut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. For sure. All right. We'll look forward to that. Oh, man. It's yeah. It's going to be good. Horror next week. I'll make mine like on Friday. Okay. Sounds good. You'll wait till the very end. You night. and I take like all week yeah. up to the she moment. She probably already knows. She's probably been doing it since episode I was one. born for this. Yeah, you were. Yeah, next week's going to be bloody. I might just get my three gallons of fake blood out of the closet and show up with it. Nobody's going to see it because this is an audio podcast. Oh, right. oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Yeah, thank you. And find us on Facebook and Instagram. If you haven't done that already, we're always... Kind of on Twitter, but not. But kind of on Twitter. <laughs> we're always posting fun pictures or polls or photoshops or all kinds yeah, of crazy we, we try to have as much fun on and we want to hear what yeah. what your lists are so definitely let us know what your top 10 favorite Which, crime lists are we've gotten some fun lists yeah so there are several ones where i'm like oh, i forgot about that movie yeah, how did yeah. i do that so yeah keep us accountable and i have been trolled by a couple listeners <laughs> with a couple other picks you've yeah, earned it for some up, reason <laughs> And then if you can if you can rev- rate us and review us, right, we would right. greatly appreciate it. Whatever you think the podcast is worth, you can rate us on Facebook. And you can leave us messages. You can call us and leave messages. Yeah. I've been meaning to bring that up. So in the links in all the episodes and in the link of the main page, or if you could just go to moviebonus.com, there's a button that says message. You can send us a voice message and we can, if you have a question or an idea or a thought or just want to say, hey... Uh, you can record us a voice message and we might play it on the show if you make it good. So yeah, send us send us your thoughts or comments. We definitely want to start sending some shout outs, more shout outs to yeah. listeners and stuff. If you have questions about us or our picks or what we think about a certain movie, let it, send us a question and we'll answer it on the podcast. Yeah. All right. Cool. See you next week. Yeah. Thanks, Thank you everybody. See you later.